They will regulate and militia be necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you have joined me on the program today. So, uh, coming up Wednesday night, we've got the vice presidential debate, the one and only vice presidential debate. I'm kind of sad that uh, the vice presidential debate is not returning to Farmville, Virginia. That's where the 2016 vice presidential debate between uh, Tim Kaine and Mike Pence was held, just a a few blocks away from where I am uh, coming to you today. Uh, Nope, this time around, it's going to be in Salt Lake City, 7 p.m. Wednesday evening. I've got a a piece at BarryAndArms.com talking about some uh, questions that Mike Pence should raise with Kamala Harris. But uh, on today's program, we're going to talk about another debate. This one held on Tuesday night in Arizona. It is the one and only Senate debate between uh, U.S. Senator Martha McSally and her Democratic challenger, Mark Kelly, husband of Gabrielle Giffords, one of the uh, founders of the gun control group Giffords. Uh, And as you can imagine, gun control was an issue uh, during the debate on Tuesday evening. Although I've got to say, I really think that Martha McSally left a lot on the table. Uh, she could have done a much better job, I think, of, of actually talking about the gun control laws uh, that Mark Kelly supports. And, and we're going to go through some of the exchanges uh, in the debate uh, and some of the statements made by both candidates. Uh, Martha McSally, for instance, saying, now, law-abiding citizens deserve to keep their ability to defend their family and defend their own lives, and that is what is at stake right now. Now, that's fine. There's, I, I, I agree uh, with that statement by Martha McSally. She uh, touted herself as the uh, voters' second amendment senator, uh, noting that there needs to be additional mental health support as well as uh, increased funding for schools to bolster security. Said that uh, background checks uh, don't work as they should, noted that uh, she supported the Fix NICS Act of 2017. Uh, but Mark Kelly, you know, listen, he's been trying to dance around uh, his support for a lot of gun control measures. And it really was up to Martha McSally to not just present herself as a pro-Second Amendment senator, but to really get into the details of the gun laws that Mark Kelly has supported, that Giffords has supported, the litigation that the uh, a law firm attached to Giffords uh, has supported, and what that agenda would mean for legal law-abiding gun owners in Arizona. Take a look at um, what Mark Kelly had to say. He said, this is how he described himself. I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm a gun owner. Our rights and traditions are so important. The Second Amendment is so important, but we can never let a bunch of kids in the classroom get killed and think that there's nothing we can do about it. Well, again, first of all, I don't think I think that's a false choice presented by Mark Kelly. Because we know for a fact that take take a look at you know Parkland, Florida, for example, the murders at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. We know that this was not a failure of the Second Amendment. This was a failure of the Broward County Schools. This was a failure of the Broward County Sheriff's Department. They had plenty of opportunities to stop that attacker before the attack even took place. There were multiple calls made to authorities about this individual, and nothing ever happened. The FBI was warned a couple of days before the shooting that this guy was planning on doing something, and yet the FBI never referred that call to the Miami field office to investigate. So we can do all kinds of things to help keep our kids safe in the classroom, but going after the right to keep and bear arms of law-abiding Americans is not the way to do it. 
All right, back to uh, Mark Kelly's quote here during the debate last night. He uh, argued that there are, quote, common sense things that can be done, like red flag laws, which allow law enforcement or family members to petition the court to temporarily take away firearms from a person who could be a danger to themselves or others, as well as background checks for all gun sales. Again, these are perfect opportunities for Martha McSally to simply ask a, a, a question to Mark Kelly. Hey, Mark, what kind of success have those things shown? Because in Indiana and Connecticut, the two states that have had red flag laws on the books for the longest period of time, it is true that firearm-related suicides have declined since those red flag laws were put on the books. It is also true, however, that the overall suicide rate has continued to increase in both of those states. Now, to me, the goal of a red flag law isn't to make somebody kill themselves without using a firearm, right? The, the stated goal of these red flag laws is to prevent individuals who are a danger to themselves or others uh, from hurting themselves or others. And the red flag laws fail to do that because they simply take the guns away and they leave the troubled individual behind. I talked about this on Bearing Arms, uh, at Bearing Arms yesterday. I had a, a piece out of Virginia. Uh, talking about the number of red flag petitions that have been filed in uh, counties and localities that have declared themselves to be Second Amendment sanctuaries. About 21 cases have been filed in uh, so-called Second Amendment sanctuaries in the state of Virginia. The problem in Virginia and these other states is that, well, first, A, you've got a civil commitment law on the books in every state of the union. So if somebody, if you do believe that somebody's a danger to themselves or others, there's a really easy way to address that. You you have them checked out by a medical professional. And if they're deemed to be a danger to themselves or others by a medical professional, then they can get involuntary inpatient treatment. That's the way to go about it. But in Virginia and in many other states with red flag laws on the books, there's no mental health component whatsoever. It's simply a matter of going to court, telling a judge, by the way, before the subject of the uh, red flag order is even aware of all of this, police go to a, a magistrate and they say, hey, look, you know, we uh, think this person's a danger to themselves or others. If a judge based solely on one side's evidence says, yeah, you know, I think there's probable cause, which is a really low legal standard, that this person is a danger to themselves or others, then police can go and confiscate those firearms and leave the person alone. With their knives, their pills, their car keys, gasoline matches, whatever else. That doesn't address the actual issue that we're supposed to be addressing. And Martha McSally could have and should have asked for some specifics. When it comes to universal background checks, same thing. You know, in New Mexico, which borders Arizona, this would have been a perfect example for Martha McSally to bring up. Universal background checks became the law of the land in New Mexico back in 2019. There is no evidence whatsoever that anybody has been charged, uh, much less convicted, of transferring a farm without a license. These laws are utterly unenforceable proactively. There's no way to prevent a private transfer of a farm from taking place, even with a universal background check measure on the books. Now, these things poll well, which is why Mark Kelly's talking about it, because most non-gun owners don't really understand how the law works. They say, oh, yeah, you do background checks on uh, gun sales, not realizing that's already the law 
for every firearm sold at retail, and that there is no way to police private transfers of firearms. It is a soundbite solution uh, to a, uh, a real problem of criminals using firearms in the commission of violent crimes. But the universal background check law doesn't address it. Instead, it uh, criminalizes the actions of legal gun owners transferring firearms to friends, family members, uh, and uh, through private sales. And again, Martha McSally just sort of left that on the table. Um, she did bring up the uh, gun group started by Mark Kelly and his wife, former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, after she was shot in Tucson, Arizona back in 2011. Uh, this is how uh, I believe Fox described it. McSally sought to cast Kelly as operating an organization that supported liberal Democrats such as Elon Omar, which generated blowback from Kelly, who said the organization that Senator McSally is referring to is named after my wife, Gabrielle Giffords, is named Giffords. Gabby was injured, shot in the head in 2011. The issue of gun violence is personal for Gabby and me. You don't bring up the Giffords Gun Control Organization to try to tie Mark Kelly to Elon Omar. I mean, that, that's just, that's, that's ridiculous. First of all, most voters in Arizona, and I know she was trying to portray Mark Kelly, you know, as somebody who's on the far left. Look, there are ways to do that without trying to uh, bring up Giffords in association with Elon Omar. If you're going to bring up Giffords, bring up what that organization is actually calling for. Bring up what that organization is actually trying to do. You know, earlier this year, I'll give you, again, another perfect example of what Martha McSally should have done on the debate stage on Tuesday night. Earlier this year, Giffords gave California an A in terms of their gun control laws. Gave him an A. Best gun control laws in the country, according to Giffords. Now, how many residents are there in Arizona who have left California because of the screwy laws there? I know several people who have moved from California to Arizona, and part of the reason was the fact that California's gun control laws are so restrictive, and yet... Criminals don't seem to care, but law-abiding gun owners do. And I, that's, that's how I would have brought up Giffords. And, and again, you know, knowing, again, this is going to be charged politically. Mark Kelly's going to come back and say, listen, this, this, this issue is incredibly personal to me. That's fine. But the organization that you run wants to turn Arizona into California. You guys back 10-day waiting periods for farms. You back... Bans on magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds. You guys back criminalizing the possession of commonly owned rifles and ammunition. You would turn many Arizonans into criminals for simply maintaining possession of the firearms that they currently own. Now, is that what Arizonans are asking for? Again, I, I'm, I'm so befuddled as to why Martha McSally would bring up Giffords only to attack Mark Kelly for, you know, his association with Elon Omar. That is such a weak line of attack. Uh, and it obfuscates the real issue here when it comes to Mark Kelly and gun control. Now, the policies that Giffords and Mark Kelly promote are generally aimed at legal law-abiding gun owners and restricting their Second Amendment rights by criminalizing aspects of the right to keep and bear arms. 
That is what Martha McSally should have hammered Mark Kelly on time and time again when it comes to the issue of gun control. Yes, talk up your your own votes in the Senate. Talk up your support for the Second Amendment. But question Mark Kelly about his so-called support for the Second Amendment. Again, going back to something that Kelly said, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm a gun owner. Our rights and traditions are so important. The Second Amendment is so important. But we can never let a bunch of kids in the classroom get killed and think there's nothing we can do about it. Well, Martha McSally, again, had talked about things that we can do to protect uh, kids in schools and kids at home. What we can do to address violent crime that doesn't impact legal law-abiding gun owners. But I would have gone one step further. And I would have directly asked Mark Kelly, Mark, I know you say you're a gun owner. I know you say you're a Second Amendment supporter. So let me ask you this. Can you give me one example, just one example of a gun control law or a gun control proposal that you believe would violate your Second Amendment rights? Make them squirm. Put them on the spot. Because I don't know what Mark Kelly would have answered. He probably would have thought about it, hemmed and hawed. Well, you know, maybe he would have said, well, you know, a ban on handguns. I mean, that, that, that'd be unconstitutional. Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional. Okay. Anything else? Or is every other gun control law besides a ban on handguns constitutional in your eyes? It was um, disappointing, I'll be honest with you. And uh, Martha McSally really needed a good night. Polls are showing Mark Kelly up uh, in some cases by double digits. Uh, I don't think she had a bad evening. I don't think, unfortunately, Mark Kelly had a bad evening either. Uh, and I, I don't know who was prepping Martha McSally in terms of Second Amendment issues for that debate. But boy, again, she left a lot on the table. And there are a lot of, there were not only were there a lot of unanswered questions, there were a lot of unasked questions when it came to Mark Kelly and his embrace of an anti-gun agenda. Hopefully, the vice presidential debate between uh, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris set for Salt Lake City, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday evening. Fingers crossed that uh, Mike Pence can do a better job of pressing Kamala Harris than Martha McSally did in pressing Mark Kelly on his views about gun control. Because Kamala Harris, again, she's got a lengthy record. She's said a lot of things like, oh, I support the Second Amendment. Or, actually, she even said, I support the Second Amendment. She said, you can support the Second Amendment and still believe that we can ban these guns. I'm Mike Pence. I'm calling her out on that. Again, I'd raise that that very same question that uh, I, I talked about just a couple of minutes ago with Mark Kelly. So you say you're a Second Amendment supporter. You say you're a gun owner. Give me an example of a second or a gun control proposal that you think goes too far. Give me an example of a gun control law that you believe violates that Second Amendment that you say you support. And put her on the defensive. I've never heard an anti-gun politician be asked that question during any debate or any television interview or anything else. I've never heard that question asked. And to me, that's the most basic question. Because in my opinion, one of the most meaningless, vacuous phrases in all of politics is I support the Second Amendment. I mean, everybody from Chuck Schumer to Donald Trump says that they support the Second Amendment, but they obviously have very different ideas about what the Second Amendment means. So if a, if a candidate thinks that they can get away with just saying, well, I support the Second Amendment, drill down on that. Ask what that support really means and what it really looks like. What are the parameters of your support for the right to keep and bear arms? 
And all of a sudden, you start asking some of those specific questions, and uh, you might, you might, you're probably going to get some weasel words, <laughs> but you might actually get something that approaches the truth instead of the meaningless pablum that they uh, all too often offer. Again, I'm hoping for a, a better result from Wednesday night, uh, but honestly, disappointed in the uh, uh, Second Amendment issues raised by Martha McSally during the uh, debate in Arizona on Tuesday evening. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We will start there with a, a case out of New York State where a uh, suspect with a lengthy career, uh, lengthy rap sheet, a, a career criminal uh, facing a murder charge now for allegedly fatally shooting a 21-year-old man in Westchester, New York, earlier this year. Michael Latoro was the uh, victim. The uh, suspect, uh, Mount Vernon resident Nagus Kirtan, who's now been charged with homicide. And according to uh, the Daily Voice newspaper, Kirtan, well-known to law enforcement, Police say that uh, Kierton has a long criminal history, including arrest for narcotics, assault, weapons possession, reckless endangerment. He served multiple terms in state prison for more than a decade. He's now been charged with second-degree murder. He was arraigned on Monday, due back in court on Tuesday, October 13th. A lot of questions about why a uh, individual with that lengthy of a criminal history was back out on the streets to begin with particularly given the uh, restrictive gun control laws in New York State. Why was this guy able to apparently get some slaps on the wrist and be sent on his way? Today's armed citizen story from Fayetteville, Arkansas, where a, a man's been arrested for a deadly burglary that was actually thwarted by a couple of the residents uh, there uh, in Fayetteville. This is... a um, it's a sad story. 21-year-old uh, Chase Reel of Russellville, Arkansas, was shot and killed in this burglary, which happened back on Saturday. Um, basically, what happened was um, suspect broke into the home, and one of the individuals living there was, was already inside. It was basically held hostage. Then a, a second uh, resident of the home arrived uh, at about uh, 1 a.m., Saw somebody inside the house and uh, entered the home. Suspect held him at gunpoint in the living room for about 30 minutes. After about 30 minutes, uh, other residents arrived at the home. One saw one of the victims inside with a suspect. The victim wasn't moving, wouldn't answer the door, which was locked. So the third resident who's outside the home walks around to the back of the house, kicks in the back door. Uh, the victim who had been held at gunpoint had the keys to the home, and once entry was made into the house, the victim confronted the suspect inside the home. That suspect uh, was holding a gun. One of the victims then ran into his bedroom, grabbed a gun, re-entered the living room. Uh, witnesses, according to uh, Channel 5 in Fort Smith, Fayetteville, said the victim was armed with a rifle, confronted the uh, suspect armed with a pistol, and shot him once. The other victim then tackled the suspect, began to wrestle the gun away. During that struggle, the gun went off. And the um, one of the uh, residents reported that he got the gun away from the suspect. He began hitting the suspect in the head with a gun in the backyard. Uh, other eyewitnesses called 911, uh, assisting the victim in restraining the suspect until officers arrived and took him into custody. The uh, suspect uh, transported to the police department, admitted to entering the home through an open garage. He said he shut the garage door, and when a resident arrived, he held him at gunpoint. Said yes. Another guy kicked in the back door, then pointed a rifle at him. He said that he shot one of the victims with a pistol that he had stolen from one of the bedrooms inside the home. 
Uh, he said he ran out of the house, and that's when he was tackled to the ground by somebody else. Uh, he's now facing capital murder charges uh, for the killing of the 21-year-old resident, as well as aggravated residential burglary and kidnapping, second-degree escape. Suspect 2 has been in trouble with the law before, according to uh, KFSM. Multiple theft and drug-related charges from 2018, or excuse me, 2019. And uh, Sergeant Anthony Murphy with the Fayetteville Police Department says that, quote, the individuals who were able to subdue the suspect are heroes. They really went above and beyond and rose to the challenge of this tragic situation. Who knows what would have happened if the suspect got any further with the gun? Sadly, again, uh, this uh, burglary suspect identified as um, Travis Trustin, 24 years of age, facing murder charges and the death of 21-year-old Chase Real. Uh, but it could have been far worse again if uh, there were not residents who were able to act in self-defense. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Salt Lake City, Utah, where a locksmith was actually able to help a woman escape a kidnapping of her own. This is a, a, a bizarre story here. So the locksmith was called out to the home on Friday to rekey the front door. He gets there, woman shows, uh, answers the door, and she's got 911 written on her hand, I think on the palm of her hand. And she just kind of shows the guy. Locksmith said that a man that was in the home stayed close to the woman the entire time. Woman had to ask the man for her own phone in order to pay for the rekeying. So he ends up alerting authorities. And when they show up, the woman answered the door, walked out quickly, and told the officer that the man was downstairs. The man told police that he and the woman had, quote, argued, and that was it. Denied that their argument had gotten physical. But the victim told police that the suspect had entered her home the previous night, had a key, took her phone, refused to leave. He said that uh, he held her in a room against her will, that he had hurt her when he, quote, pushed against her face hard. He also threatened to burn her and the house down and would not give her her phone, so she was unable to call for help. The uh, 45-year-old suspect now charged with aggravated kidnapping, which is a third-degree felony, criminal trespass, which is a Class A misdemeanor, as well as domestic violence assault, which is a Class B misdemeanor. Uh, hopefully, this suspect does not get a plea bargain and a slap on the wrist, but in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help this woman out. That anonymous locksmith, he's, he's not been identified by authorities, but he knows who he is, and we thank him for his very, very... Good deed. A life-saving good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Hey, coming up tomorrow, though, we've got a, a guest coming up. We've been talking about the case of Kamari Harrison uh, down in Harvey, Louisiana, Jefferson Parish. He's the nine-year-old fourth grader who was suspended from school, threatened with expulsion, because he accidentally displayed a BB gun uh, while he was doing an online class. The teacher saw this. Basically, he's in his bedroom. He's doing a test. His younger brother that shares the bedroom with Kamari is playing in the bedroom and trips over the BB gun that's lying on the floor. It's unloaded. So Kamari says, ah, all right, reaches down, picks up the BB gun, puts it on the side of the desk. Teacher sees this briefly and flips out. Thankfully, police weren't called, as we've seen in some other similar cases around the country. But uh, again, Kamari was still immediately suspended from school, threatened with expulsion. The school district has not backed down. Uh, in this case, has become big news in Louisiana. We spoke with Attorney General Jeff Landry on the program just a couple of days ago, and uh, he's taken an interest in this case. 
Uh, he said that lawmakers, actually, he told us, I think this was the, we were the first to report it, that lawmakers in Louisiana considering legislation as a result of what happened to Kamari Harrison. Now, that legislation is actually going to be introduced in the state of Louisiana today on Wednesday. And joining us tomorrow on Bearing Arms Cam and Company, the attorney for the Harrison family is going to be with us uh, to give us the latest details. They've actually had to file a restraining order and received a restraining order uh, against the Jefferson Parish School Districts uh, from trying to conduct any sort of psychological testing on Kamari Harrison. I mean, this thing has just turned into a mess. So we're going to give you an update on this and why it's so important that if you have a kid right now who's attending school virtually, that you pay attention to what the policies of the school district is and you be proactive in reaching out to your local school district and asking, all right, listen, if my kid accidentally shows off a BB gun or a Nerf gun or something, you know, if they got hanging on the the, the bedroom wall or let's say he's doing class uh, in the living room and there's, you know, the rifle above the mantelpiece, is my child going to get suspended from school? Is my child going to be in trouble for that? It, it, it is incumbent on parents right now to ask these questions because this is not just happening in one local school district in Louisiana. We've had cases out of Maryland. We've had multiple cases out of Colorado. And the attorney for the Harrison family says she's been hearing from others all around the country, New Jersey, Kentucky, and other states who've described similar incidents here. So this is a real thing. And it should be a real concern for every family who owns firearms, as well as every family who's got a kid who has a BB gun, a Nerf gun, an airsoft gun, uh, and who doesn't want to see their child punished for simply being a kid. So we'll talk with the attorney for the Harrison family coming up on tomorrow's Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Also uh, talk about the vice presidential debate. Hopefully, fingers crossed, the Second Amendment is an issue raised by uh, Mike Pence, if not the uh, debate moderator. And in the meantime... Be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.